Beatrice Spills the Beans on Codependency is a codependency recovery, emotional awareness, and exploration podcast. B is a mom, social worker, and recovering codependent, creating a space for like-minded people who have similar experiences to help empower and cheer each other on. Join B on her journey with emotional exploration. Vulnerability means the willingness to open up to say, I love you. It means getting through an anxious situation and not lashing out. Vulnerability means when I'm in a fight with my husband about something and I'm acting out, I can stop myself and say, I feel like I'm not worthy of love right now. Being able to say a feeling to someone and not everyone's safe to be vulnerable with, just like my example with my dad. I think that as long as I am vulnerable with him at a level that is healthy for me and I'm not having expectations, then that's okay. That's healthy. But I was a little too vulnerable with him because I had a mental breakdown afterwards. And that was a sign that I was putting marbles in a jar that wasn't full enough. And I definitely had a vulnerability hangover. Even five years later, after learning about vulnerability, I'm still struggling with who to be vulnerable with. And I still long for connections with people that I might not ever have the connection that I want to have. Being abused at such a young age, I really think the silver lining in that situation was that it forced me to be so vulnerable that it became my superpower because it made me so much deeper. And I'm capable of being vulnerable on a level that just most people are not, which is great in some ways because I get to have conversations with people about things that they would never talk about. I've often been told that I'm able to make people feel comfortable in situations and they just open up to me. I'm careful with that because I don't want to cause other people to have vulnerability hangovers, but I just know that the level that I can get on with people is so rewarding. And that's where all my connection comes from. So being vulnerable, putting myself out there and knowing the risk and doing it anyways, because I think that what I have to say is important. And I'm hoping that I can get into the ears of someone who needs the hope in a hopeless situation and to feel that hope again, to stand up and dust themselves off and get themselves out of a situation that isn't authentic to them. This podcast is the most vulnerable I've ever been in my whole life. And I thought that I could hit the depths of vulnerability as far as it could go without it affecting me, and that is so not true. But I'm happy. I mean, vulnerability is putting in that college application when you got a denial letter from the same program a year ago. Vulnerability is going into houses as a social worker and not knowing what I'm going to walk into, but going in with a smile anyways. Vulnerability is telling all of you my story. Vulnerability is what I live for now. I think that vulnerability in a healthy way has brought me to be the best version of myself and to really find my authenticity. Another thing about my vulnerability, another area that helped me to learn to be vulnerable was I spent my whole childhood being rejected. I was the girl who 
had the best friends that dated the guys that I was in love with. I never had a problem asking people out and I'd get turned down because I always thought it was better to ask and get turned down than to wonder my whole life if it was going to work. I just came from this mindset that it was easier to deal with the rejection and to have courage than it was to wonder what could have happened if I put myself out there. And as I've gone through recovery, I really have honed in on putting myself out there and taking myself just a little bit out of my comfort zone and noticing how much growth comes from doing that and applying that. I think it's interesting that I have never lost my sense of vulnerability when I lived in an environment where it wasn't safe to be vulnerable. It wasn't safe to share my feelings. My feelings were used against me a lot. But I can thank my grandma who had me at her house every day until I was about nine years old. And she let me be vulnerable at her house. She let me have feelings. She let me be myself. And she encouraged me to find what were the things that I liked. And it took me a long time to get back to the things that I liked because once I stopped going over to her house, I lost that authenticity in myself and I had to go back into survival mode of being what everyone wanted because I didn't feel safe. But I didn't lose my fire and vulnerability in the long run. That The light was dimmed, but it was still there. And now that I am in a healthy marriage, I can see that my husband was, I could see why he was so scared of my vulnerability. He was so jealous that I could have connection because he was so full of his own shame that he couldn't have connection. And I didn't realize that not being able to be vulnerable means that you're lacking connection. And I think this podcast has made me feel connections so much deeper that now when I'm connecting with people, I'm noticing that they get distracted or they go do something else because I'm connecting with them on a level that's too uncomfortable for them. Like everything in life, there's balance. And I thought that I was being rejected and it was triggering my shame every time someone would. I mean, my biggest example is I loved going to Dutch Bros. And for some reason, I mean, I'm a social worker, but I'm always having beautiful connections with my Dutch Bros baristas. And shout out to Dutch Bros. And some of them can be really vulnerable and others can't. And most of them ask me what I do for a living. This is the, (laughs) it's not a fun conversation when people ask me what I do for a living. Because social work, I can tell if people are open to being vulnerable or not based on me just telling them about my job. I used to take it as when they would distract themselves or change the subject in the middle of a sentence that I was being rejected and there was something wrong with me. But now I'm really realizing that my ability to connect, it's on a different level than some people. This is my outlet to put myself out there and to let myself be the most authentic version of myself and I don't have to water it down for anyone because it's a choice to press play. It's a choice to listen to me in your ears. And in the beginning, I was really excited, so I was asking my friends to all listen. And then once I got a few episodes in, I realized, you know what? They need to listen on their own terms because I might be opening old wounds and making people think about things that they've never had to think about and being vulnerable on a level that is uncomfortable. If you got to this point, and I didn't warn you about how deep this podcast is, I just want to say I apologize. I really thought this was normal. I thought (laughs) everyone could get on this level because I still am dealing with my own self-worth issues. 
And I guess I've been saying it, like I don't want to make people's tummies hurt. I don't want to be so vulnerable that I make people uncomfortable, but I need to remember that it's a choice to listen and I'm putting myself out here and I'm being vulnerable and I have so much compassion and love and a desire for connection to those people who are in similar situations that I've been in. And I feel like when I talk about my experiences to people who have similar experiences in person, it triggers shame, which you can't have vulnerability with shame. And so when you're stuck in a shame spiral, it sets up for defensiveness. And defensiveness isn't helping anything. There's nothing getting into someone's head when they're in the defensive mode. Because when someone's in shame, they think that something is wrong with them. For me, the best example I can think of of shame is thinking that I am not worthy of love. And shame to me is, well, this is a good example. My husband and I just bought a robot vacuum because that's what he wanted for Christmas. And shout out to my best bud. She notified me about an awesome deal on one. So we got it for a very good price. So we use this robot vacuum and it has a filter in it. Well, I, I emptied out the bin and I think I... I don't even know if it was me, to be honest, but I'm taking the blame because of the situation. Somehow the filter probably fell out. It was missing when he went to open it. And I'm not going to blame him, babe. I am not blaming you. I'm just saying I don't know. And his reaction was, he said, so did you throw it away? And he looked at me with this look like, I'm like, does that matter if I threw it away? Like, does it matter which one of us did it? Because it automatically triggered my shame. And I told him about how when I was a little girl, I flooded the toilet at my grandma's house and my aunt was there and I didn't tell her. I just shut the door. And once she saw water coming out the bottom of the door, she realized that (laughs) I had flooded it. So she opened the door and that's how I learned how to turn off water if I overflow the toilet. And I was crying and shaking and she said, it's okay to accidentally clog the toilet. You just have to tell me so I can fix it. She let me be vulnerable at her house. She let me feel vulnerability. And she was cultivating vulnerability with me in a sense that she was allowing me to be what I needed to be. She was making it where I felt safe to tell her when I messed up. Where in my family, that in my household that I grew up in, I would get yelled at for making mistakes because it was always perfection over progress instead of progress over perfection. And... I would get yelled at, and when I made mistakes, I would shut down. And so when he looked at me and asked me if I threw it away, when we just got this, it was on sale, but it was expensive still. Even though my bud just told me that I could get replacements on Amazon for cheap, it triggered my shame. And so I said, I, my response was a little snooty, like, does it matter if I threw it away? Like, I'm an adult. We purchased this. And I think I said that, like, this is an item we purchased together. I didn't do it on purpose if I did it. It's affecting me as well. In that moment, did it really matter if the filter was missing or not? And what I I think I might have said, and I don't know if I got to say it because I was triggered and you can't get anywhere, but I'm learning how to get out of my triggers and recognize my feelings and get out of my shame and be vulnerable. And I 
I told him, I said, it's a trigger for me. I feel like I'm not allowed to make mistakes and I don't want to feel like that in our home. So my husband and I make a point to cultivate vulnerability in our home. And cultivating vulnerability looks like being allowed to act silly without making fun of each other or letting our son act silly without making fun of him or being able to express feelings freely without being shamed for it. I really practice on working on my wording. So if my son is making a mess, I tell him that he's making a mess and I don't tell him that he is messy. If he's throwing a temper tantrum, I tell him that he is behaving in a way that I don't appreciate, not that he's a bad boy. When we label people as bad or mean or terrible or anything, really, I'm realizing that labeling people for, like, giving them a label, like, even with diagnosing people, it's not always helpful because you're labeling them, and a lot of times shame comes with labels. So if I tell my son that he is a bad boy instead of that he's behaving in a manner that I don't appreciate or he's behaving in a way that is going to get him in time out, I'm telling him that he's the problem and not his actions are the problem. I'm telling him that he's not worthy of love and not that I don't appreciate the action that he's doing. And so wording and being open to feelings, which is really hard for me sometimes because my trauma response when my son is acting out and I feel like, Sometimes I feel like I can judge if it's justified or not. But how can I judge if it's justified or not when I'm not in his shoes? As much as I remember as a kid, I would tell myself when I was in my room alone, I would say, I'm going to remember what it's like to, and I will never do this to my kids. I remember saying that to myself a lot. And then now I'm an adult and I'm like, I don't remember. But I do remember that cultivating vulnerability in our home allows my family to be their authentic selves. And when we have family over, sometimes it's really hard to be vulnerable because we come from a family where it was okay to make fun of each other, especially if we feel insecure. Making fun of and teasing is just the language both mine and my husband's family speaks. And sometimes, I think more I do than him for sure, I get sucked into that. I think we both do. We can easily get sucked into making fun of each other. Even this morning I was having anxiety and I made fun of my husband. And before he even realized it, I said, I'm sorry, that was not letting you be vulnerable. And I'm, I apologize for making fun of you. But I mean, it's constant work. I'm, I'm not, I'm far from perfect. And every time I do this episode, I talk, I realize or do an episode and I edit it. I realize I talk in past tense. Like these aren't things that I'm still dealing with. And I think that's part of my shame. I don't want to admit that I'm still struggling with these things. But being vulnerable is saying that I'm still struggling with all of the topics I talk about. And I am learning about myself every day. And I still have so much to learn because if I didn't have more to learn, what's the point of living? Cultivating vulnerability in the family is super important. And I think that the more vulnerable that my husband and I get and the more we allow ourselves to feel, the more I see my son become expressive. 
which is probably like he's on that growth. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's two and a half, so he's learning how to be more expressive and he's more capable of being expressive than he's ever been. But I think that he does it in a healthy way. My favorite thing is, is my son's obsessed with Daniel Tiger. If I start talking in an intense tone that makes him uncomfortable, he has no problem roaring at me to remind me that I'm being a little too intense. And I, I have no problem going back into those shoes of knowing what it's like to be around intensity. And if we didn't cultivate vulnerability in our home, I don't think that he would be able to roar at me when he feels scared or overwhelmed. That is my episode on vulnerability. And I just wanted to let you all know that this is a vulnerable process. And I'm trying to fill my marble jar into my podcast listeners' ears. And I really would love people to interact with me. I wanted to give a shout out to the first person who slid into my DMs on Instagram. And that is shout out to Jonathan. Jonathan is getting a shout out from me because he had no problem being vulnerable and asking questions. And he hit me up before the podcast even started just from my Instagram posts. And I just appreciate how vulnerable he can be and how open and honest. And I am a curious cat. So I'm always asking questions and he has no problem answering my questions. And he always gives me feedback on my shows and he tells me you know what he'd like to hear more about what he's struggling with in his life and he's doing the work he's doing the self-reflective work and being able to be vulnerable and share it with someone so if you don't feel safe to be vulnerable with anyone in your life that's a good time to look for a therapist if you can think about who you are most authentic with or who you feel like you're at home and in your true skin, in your true self with. What I did in the beginning is I wrote down the names in my wallet of people I could be my vulnerable, authentic self with. And when I was feeling vulnerable and like I wanted to talk to someone, I would look in my wallet at those names and sometimes I had to call all three of them. I only, I had three, but if you can write as many as you have. Sometimes I called all three because they didn't answer and I'd get to the third one. Sometimes I would have to call all three and sometimes I'd get someone to answer on the first try. But when I felt like I needed to unload, I would call one of my people. One thing I didn't learn early on in my recovery that I realize now is it's also a nice thing to ask the person on your list of authentic and people you feel comfortable to be vulnerable with. I ask them how they're doing first. And I tell them that I need to check in. I just learned this from my friend this week, but I had already started trying it. Uh, or I started doing it before we had a conversation about it, but it more cemented in my head how I should handle it. Now I ask people, are you in a place that I can talk to you? Or I have some stuff to unload or some, some heavy stuff I want to talk about. Do you have time for me to process? And I'm still getting in the habit of that. Um, so sometimes I unload and then I realize that they're not in a place for me to unload on. So just because someone is someone you can be vulnerable and safe with, it's always nice to start the conversation saying you're going to unload something or you're going to talk about it, or you have something emotional to talk about and you just want to make sure they're in a good place to receive the message because you might have people on your list that are great people to be vulnerable with, but if they're going through their own stuff, they might not be available 
to the level that you need. Thank you for tuning in today. And if you resonated with anything on this episode, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at codependency at beatricespillsthebeans.com. And if you benefited from anything I talked about, I would really love if you send some love my way by doing a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That is so helpful to me to be able to keep sharing my journey. If you have a few moments, I would love to get a review from you. Thank you for joining me. And I just want to say the light in me honors the light in you. And in true B fashion, I... I'm a little bit of an overachiever and doing episodes once a week is not going to work, unfortunately, with my creative time that I have available with all my other obligations. So for now, we're going to release an episode once every month on the third Tuesday of every month until I have more content created and more time to allocate to this creative process. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for standing by and being around while I took my break. And I look forward to releasing episodes every third Tuesday of the month. Remember that awareness sparks growth, my friends. See you next time. 